That was incredible. No, seriously, Pastor Isaiah and the whole team, these guys are amazing, super, super talented. Um, we're, we're, we're excited. We're enjoying having them. Um, but I'm excited to be here right now. Can I just say seriously, that I, I love speaking at Celebration Church. Um, I love my senior pastors. Does anybody at all love Pastor Frankie and Allie Mazapika? Yes, exactly. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Pastor Dwayne. Now, if you haven't met them yet, uh, I'm not Pastor Frankie. Uh, I, I'm, the, I'm the kid with bad hair and, and, and earrings, as they used to call me. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm Pastor Lance. I'm the Generations Pastor here. Um, my wife and I, she's sitting right over there. She's a smoking hot Mexican wife. Please stand up, please. Please stand up. Please stand up. Come on, look at that. Smoking hot. Woo! Okay. Sit back down, babe. We'll see people taking pictures of you and stuff, okay? She's all mine, all right? Holla at your boy. <laughs> you did. <laughs> listen, so listen, I'm seriously, I'm super excited that uh, my wife and I um, are, are, are able to be called sons and daughters of this house. So Pastor Frankie and Allie are seriously like, uh, like spiritual parents to us. They're amazing leaders, phenomenal pastors. Um, and and if, you are, uh, if you are a guest with us, uh, please come back. Please see them. I promise they'll be here back next week, okay? Um, no, but you know, it's funny, as Pastor Frankie always says, he says, give us one year of your life and, and we promise your life will never, ever again be the same. And you know, my wife and I took that, uh, that challenge personally about nine years ago. And, um, and I'll confirm two things for you. One is, it's true. Our lives never have been the same since. Um, we were not uh, in ministry and now we're in full-time ministry. But you know, something else happened. Our children have benefited so much from the relationships that we've built, the community, and just the fertile soil that is Celebration Church, you, uh, the body, the people that make this happen. And so I want to encourage you today, if you are looking for a church, if you are a guest with us, give us one year of your life, um, and I promise you will not be disappointed. So is anyone at all ready for the word at all this morning? Did you come ready to come to church? Let me hear you real quick. If you came ready to come to church, let me hear you right now. I came ready to come to church. Oh, come on. Woo! Okay. You sound good. Now, I'm going to try my best to keep that going. Now, we're going to be reading um, from the book of John, chapter 12, verse 1 through 8. The title of our talk today is called Consider the Cost. We're going to be talking about the true cost of our faith and considering that cost, what it takes to consider that cost. So let me pray real quick. We'll read some scripture and then uh, we'll get right into it. So let's, let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for uh, this community, this body of believers, this great church that is a source of strength. God, I pray that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see what you're doing all around us. Father God, I pray that you'd break up the hard parts of our heart, God, and that you would send forth your word, which is seed, Lord God, to go down inside of us and to produce fruit and fruit that would last. Help me, Lord God, to articulate and enunciate every word, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Starting in John chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Six days before the Passover, this is just a couple nights before Jesus was crucified. Uh, six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany at the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. Now, a dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary, somebody say Mary. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with fragrance, uh, and, but Judas Iscariot, 
The disciple, who would soon betray him, said, that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but uh, you will not always have me. Does anybody remember their first car? First car, raise your hand. You remember your first car. Come on, we're going we're to interact a little bit. Raise your hand, your first car, first car. Now, my first car was a 1986 Honda Accord LXI hatchback. Okay, you probably don't know what that is. Uh, it had a lot of bad nicknames. I can't say in church and stuff, but uh, it, it, was, it, was, it was just a, a not a good car. Okay, my dad gave it to me with a donut on the back. Okay, so much you love me. All right, and so, but it wasn't my first car that I'm talking about now. Now, do you remember your second car? Your second car, yes, your second car. You, some of you may still be in your second car. Uh, God bless you. Um, uh, you may haven't reached the second car yet. Some of our, I see some teenagers in the back here. But my second car was a 1998 Honda Civic LX sedan, okay? This was, this was like... This was my dream car. Like, I'm, I'm picturing this car. I'm, I'm looking up, you know, the internet wasn't out yet, but I'm like looking through magazines and stuff. I'm, I just couldn't wait to make this car ghetto. Like, it just, it was just, 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 just awesome. Like, I could just, it's like Fast and the Furious had just came out. I mean, this was like, <laughs> come on now. This is, this is the car, okay? So anyways, now uh, my dad made me a deal. He said, son, I'll buy you this car. I'll buy you this car if you will pay $200 a month towards this car. Now, I was working at a, a famous, uh, I wouldn't say famous, but I was working at a party supply store uh, that will not be named in this sermon to protect the innocent, okay? Uh, but, but I was working at the party supply store making $128 every single Thursday. Now, $128, that's a lot of money, right? I mean, you're 16, that's, I mean, you're rolling, okay? So my dad's like, I mean, that's a lot of money. So uh, $128 every Thursday, my dad's like, you need to pay $200, do the math. I knew I still had at least some for gas, okay? So I'm ready to do it. But I distinctly remember the cost of this job, uh, the cost of this car was so great to me. Like, I remember running through the halls after, after class, trying to make it uh, to my car to head across the street, um, even though I could have walked there, but you know, you have to drive. I mean, you know, what else do you have a car for? So, so I drive to the party supply store um, to rush to work. And, 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 and I remember like my, my fingers looking like cucumbers from time up all the balloons and, and, and my boss, uh, I won't say his name, Scott, who are you? But he, uh, uh, the, the man was somehow related to Satan himself. I mean, it was just seriously, that's the worst possible scenario, the worst possible job there was. They worked Monday through Friday from 3.30 to 8.30. That's a lot of work for 16, okay, for $128 a week. And so I'm, I'm like, my hands are bruised. I mean, it's like one level above sweatshop. I mean, it's seriously... Party, the uh, party supply store was, was out of control. I'll never forget, I worked Friday night till 10.45. I don't even know what we were doing. We were, I was making balloons all night. I have no idea. 10.45 at night. Remember, Saturday morning. It's 8 o'clock. I got to be at work in two minutes. I'm in bed. My dad says, son, you're still in bed. You're going to be late. If you, you're still in bed. It's two minutes. I mean, you're going to be late. You're going to get written up again. I said, Dad, this car is not worth this. It's not worth this. <laughs> he said, well, you didn't consider this cost, did you? And I learned a valuable lesson that day. I learned a valuable lesson that day. 
by considering the cost and what that really means to consider the whole cost, right? Not just the money part, but the time part, all of the part, everything, consider it. I wanna talk this morning about the cost of the contents of this jar. They call it the alabaster jar and some, some versions, uh, Matthew and Mark talk about this as well. Uh, the alabaster jar, in fact, some of the other translations will, you will call this uh, in your Bible, it might say um, Jesus anointed by a sinful woman. But John's a little more specific, tells you who that person was. And so the contents of this jar, what I'm saying is it's the same story. So the contents of this jar, the essence of nard is extremely valuable at the time. Okay, this is how valuable it was. It, it grows in the Himalayas, which is about 6,000 miles away at an elevation of about 11,000 to 17,000 feet. People from the party store go up there and get it, okay? <laughs> I know, okay? It's got a 6,000 mile plane ticket to get to Palestine, okay? And it sells for about $750 an ounce. At the time, it was worth more than gold. So it was certainly worth more than the 30 pieces of silver that Judas was paid to betray Jesus. Therefore, why Judas was so offended when he saw this jar of expensive perfume being poured out because what he saw was, he saw that this was actually being poured out was actually two and a half times more than what he got paid. And so therefore what she had just wasted on Jesus was two and a half, worth two and a half more times more than what he even thought Jesus was worth. And so this morning, I want to talk about the contrast of what Mary shows us in considering the cost of our faith versus Judas. Okay? So there's a couple costs associated with our, with our journey of faith. And my prayer this morning is that wherever you are in your journey of faith, that the message would reach you where you are and that God could speak to you through me and through me as well, because I get blessed too, about this and about uh, the cost and the true cost of our faith. Here's the first thing. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, this is the first thing. We have to consider the cost of the cross. We have to consider the cost of the cross. Now, Jesus carried a cross. They say that the cost weighed somewhere around 300 pounds. Now, the portion that Jesus carried, the portion that Jesus carried was about 175 to 200 pounds. He's carrying this on his back, dragging it through the streets. Now, how many of you know that's not easy? Especially after being beaten mercilessly. Okay, in fact, the, the crucifixion sentence was so barbaric that Romans, the Roman, the Roman government would, 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 would sentence people to crucifixion, but just not their own people. It was illegal to sentence a Roman citizen to crucifixion. That's how barbaric it was. You see, it's interesting. It reminds me of Matthew chapter 16, a little previously where, where Jesus throws this up there and he says this. He says, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So Jesus foreshadows this actual event with this scripture by saying, if you want to truly follow me, you want to truly become a disciple, you will have to carry your cross and you will have to walk with it and you'll have to do this if you want to look like me. It's not always easy. It's not always convenient. You see, attending church regularly is not always easy, nor is it convenient. Joining a life group, hosting a life group is not always easy or convenient. 
Dragging your kids to church when they've been up all night making slime videos is not always easy, okay? That's where I'm at right now, okay? You want to work at the party store? You better get up. You know what's interesting about the alabaster jar? Oftentimes families at that day would, would have something like this in their home as an investment. They were, they were diversifying their funds. That's how valuable it was. How many of you know that carrying your cross is not a one-time purchase, but it's actually an investment? Every time you get up and you go to church, it's actually making a deposit. Every time you pray and it's more than just for a meal, you're actually making a deposit. Every time you're dragging your kids to church, it's actually a deposit into eternity, into their future, into the kingdom of heaven. How many of you know that? The contents of this jar are an investment. Carrying your cross is an investment. It's an investment. Now say, this is the next point. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is the next point. That's right. There is a cost. There is a cost associated with being a someone. There is a cost to be a someone. There's a cost to be a someone. You see, the account of Matthew and Mark say uh, in, the, in, in the telling of this story, in the telling of, this, uh, of, of what happened that night, they don't even call this woman by name. She's just notated as a sinful woman. Now, this Mary is the same Mary who was caught in the act of adultery and was, her life was spared by Jesus. This is the same Mary who's the sister of Martha and the sister to Lazarus who was recently, just a couple days back, raised from the dead. This is the same person. So you see, Mary knows what it's like to be a no one. She knows what it's like to be a no one, to be called just a anyone. A person who sells themselves, a person who, who is who's living this type of lifestyle, their, their value, their identity, their, their worth has to be so incredibly low that maybe this is why she's even depicted as just being a woman. So many times in life, it's so easy to feel like no one to feel like no one sees me, no one cares about me, no one, no, one, no one sees the sacrifice, no one hears me, no one understands me. I'm just a no one. Sometimes when we, when we work really hard, I might feel like no one sees this. It's the no ones. I'm a no one right now in this season. I'm a, I, this is, a, I'm no one. No one cares. I mean, no one cares. I just cleaned the house. You came in with your shoes off, told you to take your shoes off. I mean, we're doing making slime again. <laughs> it's easy to feel like that sometimes. 
But you see, I'm here to tell you today that Jesus is in the business of turning no ones into someones, okay? And it is our job. We are called to be a someone who is telling everyone and anyone about the one, the only one, the author and the perfecter of our faith. That's Jesus. That's our job. Our job is to be a someone. It's true. And see, Mary understood that. She knew where she was coming from. She knew where she had been brought from. And she had a lot to be thankful for. So the spiritual discipline of her life, this expression of faith that the Bible calls the greatest expression that anyone has ever, ever done. She knew its true value. But how many of you know that when you make deposits and you serve the Lord and you are faithful about it, there will be those haters, there will be those who will be offended by your daily deposit, by your sacrifice. And so Judas comes back and he's like, what a waste. Are you kidding me? This is a waste. That is just a man. In fact, some believe it was probably the final straw for Judas. He was like, yeah, I did the right thing. I sold him for 30 pieces of silver. This is ridiculous. People pouring out their life savings on his feet. But you see, it's only a waste if you don't know the true value. You see, because Mary looks at it and she says like this, this is not just a man, this is my savior. This is not just someone, this is my salvation. This is not just some anybody, this is the man who got me off the street. This is the man who raised my brother from the dead. This is the person who saved my marriage. This is the person who saved my company out of bankruptcy. This is the person who brought my children back home. This is the person who saved me, delivered me. He's my salvation. The question is not... The question is not, the question is not, is he worth it? The question is, do you know the value of the one that you serve? I'm telling you right now, there will be people, there will be people who will say, what a waste. What a waste. Going to church, what a waste. Giving your money to the church, are you kidding me? What a waste. Serving a what? A life group. You, CPR, what? Uh, <laughs> sounds like a Lamont's class. Are you, what is this? What? You could be spending time with your kids. You could be, you could be at work. I mean, you could have start a second business. There will always be people that will say, this is a waste, but they have not considered the cost of what it takes to be a someone. Because when you've been delivered, when you've been saved, when you've been redeemed, and you're now standing in a different position than you were before, you say, the value placed on this man, oh, I wish I had more. I wish I had more to pour out. My desire and my hope is that a someone a someone is a person who gives out their, their praise and expresses their gifts in such a way that it fills a room into where other people begin to notice it. And it's okay if you become offended because I understand the value of what I'm doing. I'm a someone now. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a someone. I'm a someone. Say it louder. Say, I'm a someone. And there's a cost to be a someone. There's a cost to be a someone. 
You were called to be a someone who's telling anyone and everyone about the only one. Here's the third point. There's a cost of our sin. There's a cost attached to our sin. Now, I don't have the, the time um, or, or don't feel the need really to get into the weeds about what is sin and what is not sin. Um, what you should do is what any good pastor would do if you have good, you know, have question like that. Well, is this sin? Is that not sin? Um, what any good pastor would do is first read your Bible, like look into the black and white letter and then Google it. Okay. <laughs> so that's what any good pastor would do. <laughs> it's true. Okay, anybody that says different is, is, not, is not being truthful with you, okay? So first, look into the Bible. Why? Because the Bible has, is very black and white, literally very black and white, and anything that may seem gray or, or unclear should be written in red. When all else fails, Google it. Does anybody love restaurants? I'm hungry. I know. I love, I, love, I love restaurants. I was made for luxury. I'm sure of it. I know it. I know it. I know it. Have you ever heard the word bougie? The bougie? Bougie? That's, that's me. I invented that word. I, 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 that is just me. Uh, you know, the, the bourgeoisie, I guess, where the word comes from. But that's me. I, I just, I, I love restaurants. Nice ones. Like, you know, nice ones. We're going to get into that. Okay, I'm going to talk about the difference of what, what is nice and what is. I'm just talking about like the kind of place where you sit down and, and the sides are separate, right? And you're not even really, lo- you know what I'm talking about. And you're not even looking at the, the price of the meal, right? You're like, this, this is the steak or the lobster or whatever. And you know, everything's like $50 plus. I mean, nice place, okay? One of the places that you sit down at and then you just beg for forgiveness from the credit card company later. It's like, it's just one time. That kind of restaurant, okay? I like hotels too. Like really, I don't know what it is about hotels. My wife makes fun of me. We go out of town, we go to a hotel and the first thing I do is I like start, all of a sudden I start like this desire to iron everything. And I'm like, I'm, I'm wearing the robe. Like we just got there, you know? I'm wearing the robe, ironing. She's like, what are you doing? I'm sitting there reading out of the Gideon Bible. <laughs> yes. Got the glasses. Shaking, I'm getting ice. What? Not even even a drink. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) I do. But how many of you love it when you go to a restaurant? It's a nice one. Somebody says, I got it. I got the bill. What? But see, there's two types of people. There's the person who, 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 who wants an itemized receipt, my wife. Uh, they want to know who, uh, who bought what. They want to, you, you had the, he, he had the queso. He had the queso. I didn't have any of the queso. You did. No, no, no. It was in front of you. It was in front of you. Okay. Yeah. How are we get? they didn't add gratuity. We're going to have to split this up. Okay. Uh, what, you forgot your wallet again? I know, okay. There's, there's that person, okay? We hate them, okay? There's that person. Uh, and then there's the, I got it. There's the, I got it person. The person who raises up their hand and they're like, hey man, I got it. I got it. I already paid the bill. It's cool. I've had that happen before. 
Uh, in fact, a friend and I, I'm, I'm getting on a tangent now, but I got time. So, um, so, I, so a friend and I, we, we, go to, we go to lunch together and you see, it's, it's my blessing. Like I believe I am blessed if I pay the bill first, right? Well, my friend happens to believe this too. So every time we go to lunch, we have to try to pay before we've even ordered, right? <laughs> So we get to the restaurant and we're like, hey man, listen, whatever happens at the table, okay? You just take this card. The other guy's card is no good, okay? Just pay this one. This, use this one. Um, and so it happened the other day. I went and sat to eat with him and it was really embarrassed because I almost forgot. And I was like, oh, I got the bill. Don't worry. He's like, dude, I already paid for it. I was like, what? Like, did you call ahead? Like, what, how did you know? What happened? But you see at the table of sin, which we've all dined at, Jesus has already paid the whole bill. The Bible says that there is a curse that mankind was born into, okay? There is, a, it's, the, it's the table of sin and the debt is so great. The price is so high. There's, there's been so much ordered that the tab is so great. No one could afford it. God knew that. And so he sent his son, okay? And the Bible says in Galatians 3.14 that Christ paid the price so that the blessing promised to Abraham would come to all people, everyone who sat and dined, everyone who sat at the table. And so that through Jesus, Jesus Christ, we would receive the promised spirit through faith. It's true. In fact, Jesus didn't just pay the whole price. He also became the curse himself for the sin and the wrongdoing, the destruction and separation that sin creates between man and God. He said, I got it. I paid the whole bill already. If you don't believe, I'll tell you how it happened. I'll tell you how it happened. First Peter 1, 18, 19 says, for it was not paid with gold or silver, which lose their value. No, it was paid with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, the spotless and blameless lamb of God. You see the debt of sin, it's okay to clap, it's okay. The, the debt of sin was so great. The bill was so high, but I'm here to tell you today that the blood of Jesus Christ is rich and it can afford the payment of sin. He paid the whole thing with his blood. That was the best I got. I'm sorry. I was... <laughs> the debt outstanding has been paid in full. We all sat and we all dined. It doesn't matter if it was in the past, it was today or if it's tomorrow, the, the, the bill's been paid and he paid for it with his own life. Hang on to that verse, 1 Peter 1.18. It says the precious blood of Jesus Christ paid the payment in full. That means that the blood of Jesus is rich. He's got deep pockets. And that's why he raised his hand and he said, I got it. I got it. Place the sin, place the curse on me, I got it. Now, I'm a big like how, why type of person. When I was a little kid, why, why, why? How come? So I had to figure this out for myself. How is it possible? All I can find is this, Romans 3.22, it's probably my favorite verse. It says this, it says, for we are made right with God. Some translations say, for we are made righteous. Righteous just means right standing with God. We're made right again. The chasm between, between sin that has separated us from God is now over. You stand now right before God, righteousness, for we are made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes no matter who we are. Doesn't matter if you're a no one. 
doesn't matter if you're a no one. Right where you are, you have the invitation to become a someone. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake, he, big H means God, for he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that we could become the righteousness. There's that word again. So that we could have right standing with God through faith in Jesus Christ. This blows my mind because it's like, how can I, remember I'm the why, how person, how can I become the righteousness of God when I haven't done anything to deserve it? I haven't done anything to to earn it. I I could never pay it back. Uh, How can it happen? How How can there be this trade? Well, I'll say back to you, it's very simple. How can Jesus become the curse of sin? and sin of the whole weight of the world when he never did anything wrong. That's called the scandal of grace. It's a trade. God has traded our sin for righteousness. Jesus sat at the table. He said, I got the bill. I'll pay it with my own life. And so now all we have to do, all we have to do is say, thank you. I believe it. I receive it. That's the true cost of our faith. There is a cost associated with the cross. It's a deposit every day to read, to pray, to develop spiritual disciplines in our lives, to bear that cross. It's hard to do, but it's worth it. There is a cost to be a someone and he's in the business of taking no ones and turning them into someone so that we can tell everyone about him. There's a cost. And lastly, there's a cost for our sin. We all sat at the table. We all dined. But he said, I got it. I'll take it. And by believing in it, receiving it, you and me, we are made right with God through faith. The bridge is faith. The way there is faith. The answer is through faith. Can everybody stand for me, please? The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 that God has placed eternity in the hearts of men. Cavemen were writing on walls about the afterlife because it's been in here ever since. The Bible says, Jesus said, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to prepare a place for you. God desires that no man should perish. 
But there's a reality, and that is that there is a separation. There is a table called sin. What I want to encourage you with today is that Jesus paid the whole bill. It's been paid. And now our step next is to just receive it. So with every eye closed, every head bowed, I want to give you an invitation to believe. I'm going to ask you real plainly, if you were to meet Jesus today, are you sure you'd go to heaven? Do you believe? Well, here's what we'll do. Let's all repeat this. If that's you, if that's you, if that's you, raise your hand. Would you raise your hand? Slip your hand up. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. This is what you're raising your hand to. I'm not sure where I'd spend eternity. I'm not sure. Thank you, Jesus. You can put your hands down. Now the rest of you, I want to encourage you to keep making deposits daily. Keep making deposits. It's an investment and the price is worth it. Can we all repeat this prayer after me? Say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I believe that you paid the whole bill. I believe you prepared a place for me. And I receive you in my heart. Be Lord of my life. Thank you, Lord, for making me right again. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.